Uh, Romans chapter 12. We've been going through this No Longer I series, and you may, you may remember the keeping with the idea that our soul needed a body and not our body needed a soul. And as we go back and we connect the dots, you may remember that we looked at how with the soul we connect to God, with the mind we connect to ourself, with the heart we connect to those who love us, and then all around with our body today we connect with the world. Our body is how we change the world. Our body is how we connect. It's how we do good to others or how we do harm to others. Kind of is in the testimony, the no longer I testimony that was just shared. With our body, we commit the sins. With our body, we commit the acts that sometimes will either propel us uh, to the pathway of success and fruitfulness or also maybe down the pathway of destruction. And so as we look at this this morning, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but as Pastor Ralph and I were preparing for this sermon and just really going over it, I, we really feel like the Lord gave us some fresh revelation because you know the text that we're going to read in Romans 12, 1 through 3, and more than likely if there is any passage of Scripture that you could probably quote, you probably maybe even remember this from the great old King James Version, I beseech you. Now, if you're today, you're thinking about beseech, you may be thinking somebody's trying to give you some beech nut chewing tobacco or something. I don't know. But it meant I implore you, I beg you, I entreat you, uh, please, please offer your body as a living sacrifice. But it says, it starts out and it says, therefore. And we know that that word therefore always means that you need to go back and see why is he saying Therefore, because it's of something that was previously said. And I, I am one to admit that this is one place that I have really missed the therefore. If you look at it in your Bible and go back to verse 33, in the chapter 11, he was talking about the rejection of Israel and how it was not in totality and how God's grace and, and how he would reserve a remnant of Israel. There was always the story of the remnant and how God was going to preserve us and give a pathway out. Just like on the No Longer I video, if we will entrust our way to the Lord, you may be locked in a prison cell with all the writings of handwriting or requirement against you that say there's no way that you should be able to get out, but if we will commit, if we will entreat God, if we will believe in God and put our life in His hands, then all of a sudden we begin to have things God's way and not our Way. And so in this passage of scripture, it's so interesting because when we look at it, it's, it, it shifts. And, and let me read these verses, but it says right here in verse 33, Oh, the depth of your riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. Circle that word unsearchable. How unsearchable are his judgments and how untraceable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever amen enough said so therefore because of all these things the mercy the untraceable the unsearchable grace of God but also the unsearchable, the unknowable, the unfathomable judgment of God. 
the judgment of God that would be poured out upon mankind, that would be poured out upon all those who reject him. Therefore, because of the, the unsearchable judgment, the untraceable riches of grace and mercy, therefore, because he has made a way that we don't have to experience the unknowable, untraceable, unsearchable judgment of God that he made a pathway for us to escape us. Therefore, because of those things, he begs us. He begs us to present our bodies, the mercies, to present our body unto God. In Romans 12 and 1, we look at this and he says, I, I beg you to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, which is your spiritual worship or which is your reasonable sacrifice. Reasonable sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Those two things going hand in hand there. It's your spiritual act of worship, which is not too much to ask. It's not too much to ask of you. If you go a little bit further, it goes on and it says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and pleasing and perfect and acceptable will of God. For by the grace of God, it was given unto me, I tell you, I tell everyone among you, not to think more of himself or more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly, sensibly, or soberly would be a better translation there. Soberly, be sober-minded, not craziness, not crazy talk. As God has distributed to everyone a measure of faith. Now, as we have many who are, as we have who are many in one body and not individual members of one another, therefore. As many, we have all these body parts, and the parts do not have their own function, but there's a function in unity. We connect these dots. In the same way, we who are many are one in the body of Christ and an individual member. Now, boy, if you ever want to know what No Longer I was all about, it's right there. There is not any room for a big eye in that verse because it says we become part of an individual body. An individual body and what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. Therefore, in this passage of Scripture, it shifts from principle to practice, from belief to behavior. What we will believe matters because what you believe determines your behavior. What you believe determines how you act. What you believe determines on how you live and how you move and what your behavior is. Keeping with that idea that we talked about earlier, that God did not give a body that needed a soul, but there was a soul that needed a body because the soul is how we connect to God, which is of utmost importance, but the body is how we connect to the world. The body is what the world sees. Nobody ever was hung up lusting over a soul. Nobody ever got caught up lusting over a brilliant mind. But it's the body, it's what see, we can see with our eye, it's what we can reach out and touch, it's what's tangible. And so as we think about this, God knew that the most beautiful part of us was buried deep inside of us. The way that we connect with Him was with a body, but the way that, I mean with a soul, but the way that we connect to the world, the way the world connects to us and the way we connect to God is through a body. 
Therefore, I beg you that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, the thing about sacrifice that is so interesting here is that it carries the idea of once and for all because sacrifice meant death. It carried a once and for all because there was no way to come back and offer it again because when you offered a sacrifice of a ram or a goat or an offering of, of, of wheat or grain offering or something of that nature, once it was offered, there was nothing left to ever be offered again. But in this passage of scripture, he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice, which means there is something to continually be offered again. The problem with a living sacrifice is the difference between a living sacrifice and, a, and a, a, an Old Testament sacrifice was once you laid the ram on the altar, there was no running away because it was dead. The problem with being a living sacrifice is that at any moment we can get up and run and take ourselves off of the altar. That's why he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because the mind is how you connect to yourself. The mind is how you see yourself. The mind is how you, you it what propels the lust. The lust of the eye, the pride of life. All those things, the lust of the flesh, is what pulls us astray. And so therefore, he says, I want you to transform your mind. Because stinking thinking is awful stinking. I mean, where does murder come from? The heart starts in the mind. How does the heart know to love? From the mind. How does the heart know to hate? From the mind. And so he says, therefore, if you want to remain a living sacrifice, then therefore transform your mind so keeping with this idea of sacrifice because we think about it once and for all because when we think about this it's so interesting matter of fact it, man we, the whole body concept is how we relate to the world listen when when God wanted to connect with humanity stay with me right here when God wanted to connect and redeem humanity he provided a body before that, when Jesus said in John 17, and now, O oh Father, the real Lord's Prayer, and now, O oh Father, restore me with the glory that I had with you before the world ever was, there was no body in there. It was just a spirit, the spiritual relationship between God the Father and God the Son. But when God desired to connect with humanity, He provided a little baby in a manger that Christmas morning that came forth that He might identify and connect with humanity through a body. I didn't make that up. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus, sacrifice and offering is not what he desires, but a body is what he prepared for me. A body, a body. Listen, they weren't short sacrifices in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, if you were a priest, you would have had no job, job, trouble getting you a side job as a butcher working at the slaughterhouse because that's what they did. Animal after animal after animal after animal making atonement for the sins of the people. But when God wanted to connect with humanity, he didn't connect with them just in the spiritual realm but a body. Why? Because we can't hardly fathom the unseen. Therefore, God wanted something. He wanted to be God in the flesh. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. 
But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, what was the Word? The Word became flesh, became flesh, became flesh, that the flesh might connect with humanity, that He might be able to identify, sympathize with our hunger, with our sickness, with our temper, with our rejection, with love, with, uh, with, um, with the abandonment of love, with the abandonment of friends, with, with weariness, with toilness, with being subjected unto the flesh. Jesus in the body. God in the spirit doesn't grow weary. God in the spirit works the day shift, the swing shift, the night shift, the graveyard shift. God in the spirit is not away on on an adventure. He's not taking vacation. But God in the flesh grew weary and Jesus had to go down into the bow of the boat and take a little nap. Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, was subjected to the weaknesses of the body. But man had to see a body to connect with it. Therefore, sacrifice and offerings he didn't desire, but a body he desired. Matter of fact, keeping with that in Luke 2 and 22, it says, And when the days of Mary's purification had happened according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem. They brought his little body, God in the flesh, to the temple and sacrificed him. I mean, woo, didn't sacrifice him in the temple. They dedicated him in the temple. Rewind, rewind, back it up. Amen. They, 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 they dedicated him into the temple according to the Old Testament law. Why? It was a body. The body needed to go through the ceremonial practice so that man could identify with him. goes a little bit further. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 16, Know you not that, that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey as servants, you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. What are we yielding ourselves to? What are we yielding our body to? Slowing down. Paying attention to would be a better translation. Sacrifice is is not translated in any other way. You know, a lot of words in the English, you know, I do it here in my preaching. I'll say, here's four meanings of this word. It's four different looks at it. Matter of fact, in the Greek, it's the same way. There can be different words, and you begin to unpack that. But you know what sacrifice translates? You know how many ways it translates? One, death, death. Death, death, death. Because sacrifice meant death. It meant to die to yourself. So therefore, you cannot translate it any other way. I know it's an old saying, but there's really no better way to translate this than understanding the difference between sacrifice and an offering than the chicken and the pig. I mean, the chicken gives an offering for breakfast. It offers eggs afresh every day. Matter of fact, if you know anybody who's raising chickens, that's a new thing now. You can go to Sam's and you can even get you a designer chicken coop. I mean, it's a popular thing to have chickens. And so these people say they're trying to give eggs away. Why? Because it offers an offering of eggs every day. But now the pig, the pig had to make a sacrifice for your bacon. He had to make a sacrifice for your pork sausage patties, for your ham and your bacon I don't care what kind of meat you're eating at breakfast unless you've moved over to the healthier side of turkey I'm telling you the pig had to make a sacrifice the chicken had to bring an offering here's what God is saying I want you to present yourself as the pig would for breakfast every morning good as dead not just give me a little offering 
Why? Because he wants to live a life empowered through us. You say, oh, preacher, why would I want to give up so much? Why would I want to give up so much? Because you will gain much more. You see, the reason we have to give up is because our vessels are full. And for him to fill us with all the riches of heaven, he has to get rid of the junk of the world. Lest you would be like a hoarder buried alive. Therefore, we have to clear out a pathway in our heart. Clear out a pathway in our soul so that we may be able to identify with God. In this passage of scripture here, we see that he wants us here to clearly understand what it means to have sacrifice. But understand what sanctification means. That we would be set aside for the intended purpose. The Bible says in verse 1 that we would be holy. That we would be transformed. It means to be separated. Separated. Unto God. The Bible teaches us that God is holy. God is holy. And when we connect with him, we become like he is. Therefore, he doesn't want us to be conformed to the world, but he wants us to be transformed. Going all the way back to one of the first sermons dealing with, with no longer I, you may remember that we used the example of transformation in connection with metamorphosis. That it means it's in the core of the little bitty butterfly, the core of it is still a caterpillar. But it's been transformed through the process of metamorphosis. And now it has a whole new pathway, a whole new life, a whole new look, a whole new way to get around, a whole new purpose in life. The purpose of a caterpillar was to crawl around and become a butterfly. The purpose of a butterfly was to gather up a bunch of little girls and let them ooh and ah, looking at how beautiful and graceful that butterfly is. But the deeper purpose was that it would be used in the process of pollination, in the process of life. Transformation equals metamorphosis. Brandon pointed something out that was so interesting in studying for this sermon series that every time you think of metamorphosis, it always goes from something little to something greater. Something little to something big. It never goes from big to small, but something small to big. And I want you to know that you may think your life is big. You may think your life is supersized, but when you place your life at the altar of God and say, Lord, I want to be conformed to your will and not my will, here's what happens. Transformation happens through metamorphosis and you move from little to big and your life takes on a whole new look and a whole new meaning and a whole new purpose. Man, why, would he, why does he want us to do all these things? So that we can fulfill his will, so we can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you think about the will of God, you think about it in a couple of ways. There's God's sovereign will, his moral will, which is what he wants. He wants every man to be like him, look like him. He wants every man to follow in his pathway of redemption and righteousness. But then we unpack that a little bit further. There's a thing called the permissive will, which is where the majority of people are. It's where God permits them to be. But even though they're in his permissive will, he keeps trying to meander them back to his perfect will. That he gets them to where he really wants them to be. The perfect will is the place where you're right in the spot where God wants you to be. The most miserable place in the world for the believer is in the permissive will of God. It's like God permits you to be there, but you know and I know it's not the perfect spot. And boy, if you've ever prayed through and tried to get to the perfect will of God, you know how hard it is to get to the place where you know I'm exactly where God wants me. Where there's a perfect peace that passes all under standing 
The perfect will of God. It's the bullseye. It's the bullseye. It's the center. It's the place that most people do not hit. When we think about all these things, we realize that God wants us to honor Him with our body. As a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, we don't have to die because He already died for us. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. He made Him in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, who knew no sin, to be sin, that we might become the righteous sons of God. He bore our sin. He carried our sorrow, our transgressions. He was stricken. He was smitten by God. The Lord has laid on him the judgment of all, that for all who come to him and are crucified with him may no longer live unto themselves, but for the one who died for him. Therefore, he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Why? Because living sacrifices change the world. Living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable unto God change the world. Living sacrifices, they infect the world around them. Are you tired of what's going on in the world? Are you tired of it seems like every time you turn on the news you're going to cringe at what happened next? What kind, of, what kind of horror story you're hearing about? What kind of terrorism around the world? What we need is born again, blood-bought, spirit-filled believers of God that are living as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is their reasonable service that will go out and then begin to infect the world around them. That's the process of sanctification. Why? So it's our reasonable service. So that it's our spiritual act of worship. How do you worship God? What's the greatest thing you can do for God? Live for Him. Reasonable, logical, or normal. How do we do this? By being diligent. By living in a sober mindset. By being alert. By living sensible. Sober means... To be in your right mind and to put a moderate estimate on oneself. Don't think more of yourself. To not think more of yourself, you have to be willing to live a life of no longer I. Why? Because for the by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but to think with a sober discernment. As God has distributed to each man a measure of faith, for just as in one body we have many members, and not all members serve the same function, so we who are many are one body. Christ and individually we are members who belong to one another. Now how are you going to live a life unto yourself if you're living a life as one body? In harmony, in unison. Working, moving, connecting with. I could summarize the whole thing this way. With his body, Jesus connected and redeemed all of humanity. With our body, we connect to his body, which many people call the church. And with his body, we impact the world. Now, in a... In a formula such as that there is no place for a big eye there is no place for a big eye therefore how do we bring ourselves under subjection of the Holy Spirit and say Lord it's not I it's not 
me, but we. Lord, I'm not coming to worship at the altar of my, I, my, and me. But Lord, I'm coming to worship at your altar. Lord, I'm not going to gather up the first little lamb. I'm not going to gather up a ram. Lord, I'm gathering up myself and saying, Lord, here am I. Here am I. I beg you by the mercies of God, you present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Why would he say it's your reasonable service? My friends, when you think about all that God did to, number one, connect with humanity, subjecting himself. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that, speaking of Christ, he did not count himself robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant, a ready slave. He emptied himself so that he could take on the role of humanity that he could identify with us and that he could redeem us. When you think about all that he did on Calvary for you, is it really too much to ask that we live for him? Your head bowed.